Welcome to Warriors Off Court, the San Francisco Chronicles NBA podcast. I'm your host, Connor Letourneau, and today I'm joined by Bram Hillsman, host of the popular Warriors Huddle podcast. During our conversation, we broke down why Golden State is at such a critical impasse. What can it do to save this season and build for the future? Bram, thank you so much for joining me back on the podcast. Um, it's, a, it's a crazy time in Warriors land. The halcyon days of, of finals runs are, are well behind us at this point. Um, we're fresh off a, a 53-point loss to to the Raptors. Uh, they are currently on a 1-7 skid, just hoping and buying for maybe, hopefully, a play, a playing tournament berth to maybe, hopefully, get a 7th or 8th seed in the Western Conference. I know this is not what you, as a Warriors fan, were hoping for this season. How are, how are you feeling right now? I mean, I think we both know how I'm feeling. Um, frustrated, a little panicked, but... This is also somewhat familiar, right? You know, the, before the five-year fever dream run when the Warriors were in the finals all the time, you know, we faced a lot of seasons like this. So it's not completely new, but it's like running in to an old friend or an old acquaintance I genuinely dislike, you know? So I'm not feeling in particularly good, man, but I'm ready to kind of jump into this and, uh, and see if we can find some optimism for the Warriors. Yeah, <laughs> we'll definitely we'll definitely try to find some optimism. I think that this is an incredibly critical point in the Warriors organization on a couple different levels. We all know the Warriors came into this season with the mindset of, okay, we don't have Clay this season. Let's hope and try to get somewhere in like the four to six range in the Western Conference, and then you know build ourselves up and put ourselves in a position to buy for a championship next season. I think everyone in the organization believes once we get a healthy Clay back, we can vault back into title contention. I think what we're seeing right now is that that might not be a realistic goal at this point. Now, as as huge as Clay is, as important as he is for this team on both ends of the floor, I don't think he. He's going to cure all their the ills plaguing, plaguing them right now. This is a team that clearly has a very flawed roster. I think we can talk a lot about the nagging mistakes that they that they make, and I think that a lot of those nagging mistakes are just rooted in the fact that they're not that good. <laughs> like the team's just not that good, and you know you just have guys who make mistakes because they're not elite NBA players. You know um, that's that's just reality. I believe. I think that the Warriors need to take stock of things in a realistic way. And I think they need to look at themselves in the mirror and say, if it's not realistic for us to contend for a title next season, what does that mean? You know, clock is ticking. Steph Curry is 33 years old. Clay and, and Draymond are both in their early 30s at this point. What moves do you need to make to capitalize on those guys prime? And, uh, you know, what other decisions need to be made, such as the the offense and, and things of that nature. So um, do you think that that's a fair question for them to be asking themselves at this point? Yes, and I'm tweaking a little bit. But before I do that, let me first touch on the clay idea, because I completely agree with you, Matt. Um, you know, all of us, the second clay got hurt minutes before the draft started, our conceptions of this year changed and all of our dreams started for next year. And we were positive. We're going to be this championship team. And a lot of that next year, um, a lot of that centered around who clay was going to be. 
Well, I agree with you. I don't think Clay fixes all of this. And it's not just because of the glaring holes that are on this roster. Look at Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant's success this year has got me all fired up. It's reasons to be optimistic about who Clay can be next year because Durant was also coming back from a devastating leg injury, right? But even though Durant's been playing really well, he hasn't played in more than 20 games this year. He has missed hell of games. So if, if we are, are focusing on Clay as the savior, there is a phenomenal chance Clay does not even play 50 games next year. So even if he was Clay Thompson, and he's probably not going to be, he's going to need some time to get right and get his lateral movement back up. But even if he is Clay Thompson, chances are we're getting way less than a full season. So yeah, he, I don't think he's going to be the end all be all. And then let me tweak what you asked me. The thing that really concerns me, man, is that, and, and this concern was true right from the beginning of the year, they have asked this team to go after two goals or to pursue two different championship windows at the same time. And I think that's impossible. You know, maybe teams like the Spurs have been able to do it in the past, but this concept of have our cake, right? Have Clay and Steph and Draymond's window still be open and eat it too, while also developing Wiseman's and the Minnesota picks window. I don't think they can do both. I think that is a mistake. And so to tweak your question, what I think they need to do as a franchise is figure out what's the goal. You know, do you, do you want to maximize Steph Curry, a generational player's prime, and do everything you can to win a title? Excellent. That's certainly what I think they should do. Or do you want to focus on Wiseman? Do you want to focus, you know, on making sure you can put asses in seats into Chase Center 10 years from now? You know, and perhaps that's their goal. But I don't think you can do both. And for as long as you try to tow both of these lines, you're going to fail on both fronts. You hit on what I think is the biggest dilemma facing this this franchise right now, which, first of all, trying to do those two things, trying to juggle that and balance that is always hard. It's always hard. It's a hard thing to do. It's harder when the key young player that you're talking about developing isn't necessarily a great fit with your most important players. Um, and I think that that is something that's become glaringly apparent in recent weeks is that um, James is, even though he has these moments where you can see the talent and you can see the potential, I just don't think he's an awesome fit for what the Warriors are trying to do or what they want to be. Um, he's not a great passer at all. Um, he he's not he doesn't see the floor particularly well. His feel for the game is not great. Um, and if you look at the Warriors system historically, there's a reason why they haven't had big men who average 20 and 10. They've had big men who see the floor really well, can pass and, and handle those dribble handoff situations that are so important to Steve Kerr's system. You know, the, the David West, the Zaza Pachulias, the Andrew Bogut's, all those guys were great at that. And even though they didn't average 20 and 10 or, or what have you, didn't, didn't make all-star appearances, they were uh, incredibly valuable in their roles and helped the Warriors win games. And Wiseman, I know he's, we talk a lot about the fact that he's only 20 years old and that he's very much learning on the fly and there's a huge learning curve and all those things are true. But I'm not convinced that he will ever become a great passer, that he will ever develop that natural innate 
feel for the game that is so important to this system because some of those things are kind of preternatural some of those things are instinctive and kind of come with the player you know Draymond Green has been a great passer since he was in high school because he just that's just who he is as a person as a player and so I don't think I don't think it's realistic to expect James to become that and I think James can get better in a lot of ways but I'm not sure if if he can fill that need that the Warriors need him to fill and it's it's so in some ways unfair to ask him to try to fill only that need and it really underlines the problem with pursuing both of these goals at the same time right you take somebody at number two at the draft what you are doing is what the Warriors did. They, they are recognizing that there is a statue within the marble that they want to carve out, right? That there's an incredible talent there that's not there yet, but there's an incredible talent and they need to develop it and find out and maybe it can lead a franchise. What you don't do with something like that is dictate where the talent will be. You know, if, if you have Michelangelo the painter, you don't say you have to paint this. You just let them figure out what they want to paint and what they're great at. If we accept that Wiseman's supposed to be this great player, it's unfair while he's trying to develop and figure out who he's going to be in the league to dictate that, to say specifically, nope, you've got to be a post passer. Nope, you've got to be able to run the floor. Nope, you're only a rim runner. He needs space to figure out how he fits in this league, and they can't give it to him. It's not necessarily their fault because they are trying to do two things at the same time, you know, which is really frustrating. Um, here's a stupid analogy, Connor. If, if I have a son, I would like to teach to drive, right? All I wanted to do is develop this person's ability to drive. I don't take them on a road trip with my family. I don't have a secondary <laughs> goal and occasionally allow them to drive. I take them to a parking lot and I'd let them do anything they want. Drive here, drive there, practice, make mistakes. And at the end of that, what have they done? They've gotten better at driving, right? So that's the, the issue that our lone goal isn't developing this guy. You know, we're on a road trip. And meanwhile, we are still, uh, you know, taking shots at how little he's developed. Um, and so, yeah, it just goes right back to what's the goal. Let's pursue one of them. Yeah. And, you know, you, 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 there's, there's so much depth to this issue because one issue begets another, right? Um, and, I agree with you. I don't, I don't think the Warriors have handled Wiseman's development very well. I think a lot of the criticism that Wiseman is receiving is a little unfair in the sense that I don't think you, anyone should have expected him to come in and be this all-star caliber guy from the get-go. But I do think that the, the Warriors uh, expected him to be better than he's performed lately but the reason he hasn't been better is because they keep changing his role they keep asking him to do different things you know he's been in and out of the starting lineup he's had to play with a bunch of different rotations on the fly or a bunch of different lineups on the fly um and he's been asked to do a bunch of things that are outside of his skill set and so i think i think it's been unfair to him and I think what you're seeing here is an or, is an organization that doesn't that doesn't know how to develop a young big because they've never had to. If you think about it, I think Steve has so many amazing strengths as a coach. But at the end of the day, Steve is a relatively new coach. He 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 never coached at any level before he took over the Warriors in 2014. Okay. Now, yes, he had 
a lot of great other experience. He had been a, you know, reserve guard on multiple championship teams. He had been an NBA analyst. He had been a general manager, all those things. But I do think there's something to be said for coaching experience. You know, there's something for on, something to be said for on the job training. And part of that is having a wide range of experiences. And Steve, honestly, even though he's now in his seventh year with the Warriors, has not had that very wide-ranging experience. His first five years were all about managing ego, fostering a joyful locker room ethos, and guarding against complacency. And then last season, he didn't even need to worry about winning because once Steph got injured, they waved the light flag and they could go all in on player development. So that took all the pressure off. Steve has has said multiple times he actually really enjoyed last season because there was no pressure. This season is the first time in Steve Kerr's coaching career where he has had to try to win while developing players, young players. And Steve has never in his coaching career had to develop a young player nearly as important as James Wiseman. Steve has never had a rookie until this season who was drafted before the number 28th pick. Wiseman obviously was the number two pick. And at that was a a number two pick who was not ready made for an immediate big time impact in the NBA. So this, what we're seeing is I think Steve is struggling in, in certain ways because he has never had to do any of this stuff before. It's a huge learning curve for him. I, I agree. And I, I'm even going to back up, man. There's something I, I am guilty of this. So this isn't me, you know, oh, this is me throwing uh, rocks from a glass house. But sports fans have the worst memories, Connor. If you and I go to a restaurant and I'm like, look, order this sandwich, but your first few bites, dude, they're going to be dry for whatever whatever reason. The bread's dry or something. But fight through those first few bites, it's going to be worth it. Then we start, you take a bite, and you're like, this is hella dry. I refuse to eat this. I'd say, don't you remember what we talked about? For James Wiseman, before they drafted him, what did we hear? We heard that he didn't play in college We heard that he has all this athleticism, but he's going to need time to develop. We heard that he's a big man, not a guard. And big men, by necessity, take a long time to develop. So he's going to need some time. And all of us said, yep, okay, I understand. I can't wait to see who he is. And then the season starts. They they mess around with his role. He misses a bunch of games. He misses training camp. Exactly what they told us would happen would happen. And what do we do? We all scream. Why isn't he developed? Why is LaMelo Ball, the guard, so much further along than this big man? Why aren't we remembering exactly what was told to us? So, you know, there's point one. I agree with everything you're saying, and I still believe that Wiseman will be a really good player in this league. But two things. One, I don't think it's going to happen as soon as people had hoped. I I think he's about two years away. From, yep. being, from having a chance of being close to a dominant player in this league, which doesn't exactly align with what the Warriors' timeline is. Yeah, the Warriors right. wanted him to be that dominant force by next season. They said, okay, you'll have your rookie season, but by next season you'll be good to go, right? Because we yep. need to be that dominant big man once we get Clay back and we're trying to win something. That's not. I don't believe that's going to be the case. Um and I the unfortunate thing is this is a guy who has all the intangibles. You know, he it'd almost be easier if he was just a lazy guy and you could blame it on that. But he has all the intangibles. He's, he works hard. He studies film. He's so he cares so much and he's not getting better. It's like it's like that kid in class <laughs> spends three hours every night studying for the test and then goes out and gets a D on the test. 
Yeah. It's like, it's, you just, as a teacher, I'm assuming I'm not a teacher, but I'm assuming you just feel so bad for the kid. Cause you know, he wants it so badly, but he, he just doesn't have the tools right now to, to get it done. Yep. And, um, but my bigger concern beyond that timeline question is like what I was talking about earlier, which is his actual fit in the system, because, um, I don't think that he's suddenly going to develop the skills necessary to, to play well off of Steph in this system. Okay. Now you look at the plus minus numbers with Steph and, and Wiseman Steph has been exponentially better with every center he's played with other than Wiseman. Their offense has been horrible when Steph and Wiseman are on the floor together. Wiseman uh, uh, 538.com, which is a great analytics site has a pretty advanced algorithm for uh, player rankings for the quality of an overall player's performance called the Raptor. And the, they have 250 players ranked in the Raptor. Wiseman is 249th out of 250 players. So you hear a lot of messaging from the organization. He's actually playing well. He's averaging more points than Kevin Garnett averaged his rookie season and playing less. That's, that's true. That is true. But if you look at the deeper analytics, which I think uh, are more telling in terms of how an actual player is performing, he's been awful. Um, the only player who's worse than him in that ranking system is Theo Melodon, who's the, who's a rookie for uh, the Thunder, who's really struggled for a bad Thunder team. And man, I feel like I told you I was vulnerable, Connor. This is the exact kind of stats I don't need, man. I'm, I'm close to tears as is. I don't need the Raptor uh, stat sheet screaming my boy is 249 out of 250. That's awful. It's awful. And um, But part of the issue here, in my opinion, is that Steve is so tied to the this, this movement-heavy system that – you know, they rode to five finals and three NBA titles and they've made some relatively minor tweaks to the offense, but um, I still don't think they're fully putting Wiseman in a position to succeed. And I think it's just because Steve created this offense and he believes that this offense is the answer and that it's what maximizes Steph's greatness. My counter argument to that would be that Steph is our, one of the greatest offensive players ever. And part of what makes Steph so amazing is that he can thrive in any system. Steph is arguably the best pick and roll point guard in the NBA statistically. Yet he has never run a high number of pick and rolls under Steve Kerr uh, because it that's counter intuitive to the type of offense Steve is trying to run. Um, but given Wiseman's strengths and given where Wiseman is in his development, he needs things catered to him. He needs things served to him on a silver platter. And like we talked about, he's not a great passer. So for him to, for him to compliment Steph, I really do believe that they need much more pick and roll action between the two of them. And they're only, as a team, the Warriors are averaging only around six pick and rolls per game this season they had they had 10 the other night and then their last game against uh the hawks they had seven um i personally believe that they need to get that number upward up north of the 15 mark 15 per game mark uh 
Now, I'm not that that if they do that, they're not going to be the Rockets. The Rockets do it every, you know, under Mike D'Antoni did it every single offensive possession. You know, I'm not asking them to completely divorce themselves of that movement style, but they do need to make some significant changes to cater to their personnel. The reality is that this is not the same team that rode that system to five finals. They have different personnel and Steve needs to change and adapt. The sports are all about adapting, right? I'll give you a, a, a take from somebody smarter than I. It always makes me feel uncomfortable taking shots to Steve only because of what he has done over the last six or seven years, which is just a precursor to, I won't do it. I'll let somebody else do it for me. And it, it dovetails. I'm not exactly. taking a shot at Steve. No, no, no. I mean, you're, you're just pointing it out. I mean, this, this is a Homer take for me. This is, it's an observation and you're not the only one making it. Um, here's Kevin O'Connor from the, from the ringer. And it's a tweet that caught my eye yesterday. Quote, adaptability is the hallmark of sustained success in sports history. The Warriors still use the same system from years ago. Little has changed despite new personnel and the team is struggling. Is this a soft tank or a failure to adapt? So I'm, I, I think you are on the money, man. Yeah, um, I, I read that story and I thought he hit on some really good points, which, and I, it's things that I've, I've written about myself, which are, yeah. you know, every single team in sports has phases, chapters, cycles. And I think what you're seeing here is that they're in this like, weird no man's land right now where they're between like they still have some key players from the dynasty so they want to hold on to that but they yep. also like don't have the, the complimentary pieces to make that happen and so they're like don't know what to do they don't know what to do yep. and i think it's an incredible challenge uh but i think they have to be more open to uh to changing things uh, one of the huge thing they have going for them is they have steph curry and Steph Curry can do anything. Steph Curry can do absolutely anything. And Steve built this offensive system around Steph. But that Steph could also play for the Rockets at average 30 points per game. We'll have more of my conversation with Bram Hillsman right after the break. So what's the answer? You know, do, do, do they... I mean, let me, let me put this differently. Um, one of the things we talked about on our pod... And one of the, the messages I have slowly come to is I think the Warriors should go all in right now, right? So we, we've set up our conversation today as I don't think they should go after two different title windows. I think that's impossible. They got to pick one. If this was left to me, I think they go all in on Steph, whatever the hell that means. Trading the Minnesota pick, maybe even dangling Wiseman. But uh, here, let me, let me put it this way. Three quick points. I think Steph Curry is going to be the most talented player Warrior fans ever watch in a Warriors jersey. I think this is it. This is the apex. I mean, that's what it means when we say he's a generational player. We're a part of this generation. He's our generational player. He's as good as they get. Two, assuming that talent is coming is recipe for disaster. That's what we did with Cohen. You know, this draft pick is going to become somebody. This guy is going to develop. Anthony Randolph is the answer. No. There's no guarantee anything else is coming. Even if you have a high pick, there's no guarantee that that guy becomes anything. And finally, three, Connor, there's another level of superstar out there that's getting ready to mature. You know, the, the next title window isn't Wiseman. It's the Lucas of the world. It's the, you know, the Bookers. It's the Donovan Mitchells. So if, if I'm the Warriors, 
And I'm sitting on a on my generational player right now. This is it. I've got the next three years. I think they need to maximize this. Do it. Whatever it is you need to do, go all the way in. And my fear is that the thing that's holding them back from doing that isn't that they disagree. I bet you the front office might even agree with me. It's that after building a stadium out of their own money, Lakeham would like a future, not necessary titles in the next 10 years, but guaranteed asses in these seats. And he would prefer have a team that can put asses in the seats 10 years from now than a team that wins titles over the next three or four. Because, you know, you'd be sacrificing that if you gave up these picks. So that's, that's what I've been worried about. And that's also what I think they should do. Am I off base? What, what do you think? Uh, you're not off base, but you're hitting on why, why this is such a critical time. Um, I, yeah. I, but what are they supposed to do, man? Are they supposed yeah. to just trade Wiseman? Like, <sighs> no. No, you're invested in Wiseman. You have to, you have to see that through. It's even if you can bring in someone who helps Steph. Who I mean, so just just to play devil's advocate, if if and I don't know the move out there, but if what we've decided today is that Wiseman doesn't fit in the system, and we have a system that can, I mean, we know you know it led to five finals appearances. We know the system can be successful if they could get rid of Wiseman and bring in another piece, Beal. I mean, somebody like that. Should they consider it if that piece? you know, pushes them closer to a title. Yes, but I'm not, I just haven't seen the name float out there. That is a great fit. Um, and I don't think Beal's a great fit for, for several reasons either. I, yeah. I, I, I but um, I know that they're not ready to, to let go of Wiseman yet. And, but if things don't go well over the next, the final 22 games, maybe they do become a little bit more receptive to those types of conversations to at least see what the names are. Um, and, and I agree with you. I mean, it would have to be somebody who guarantees a return to, you know, title contention. Um, but yeah, at least consider it. Bram, I feel like, I feel like uh, I left you in a, in a depressive state here. You're going to have to go <laughs> through the rest of your day just kind of with your head down sulking. And I apologize for that, but I do think we hit on a bunch of relevant, important topics Bottom line, the Warriors are at an impasse in the organization. I cannot understate that. This is this is going to be fascinating to watch. They have a lot of really important decisions to make uh, here in, in coming months. Um, and at these final 22 games, I think, are going to play a huge factor in what they in des- decide to do this summer and beyond. So, Bram, thank you so much for joining me to break down all the different angles of this um where can our uh i know you have your own podcast i'm a huge fan where where can our listeners find that well right now they can find me in a huddled mess on the floor of my office sobbing after today's conversation but assuming i'm able to get over that uh our podcast is the warriors huddle it's on all places podcasts can be found so itunes stitcher a bunch of other stuff i'm not aware of um and we don't have a real big social media presence but we are on twitter at warriors huddle and connor the pleasure is mine man um and i didn't get the chance while we were doing this to plug it but let me do it now the wiseman series that you have put together if if people out there haven't heard it or haven't already 
consumed it. Anybody who is looking into the psychology of this player, to how much he really cares, to his background, to why we should think he's got the work ethic to turn all of this around and become a franchise player, check out that series because it's badass. Um, but yeah, with that in mind, no, thanks, man. I, I appreciate you having me. Appreciate you, man. Thank you. Our thanks to Bram Hilsman for joining me on the podcast. Really enjoyed hearing his thoughts on the daunting task in front of Golden State. Warriors Off Court is a production of the San Francisco Chronicle. Support Warriors Off Court and the newsroom that creates it by signing up for a Chronicle membership at sfchronicle.com slash pod. 